hey, still Jay, uh, or it's Jay, if this is the first time you're hearing this podcast, welcome. I wanted to release the third of my triple dip series for the 4th of July traffic, beach, pool, family, friends, madness, uh, especially for my listeners who are sitting in traffic and just grinding their teeth and squeezing that steering wheel until your fingernails pop off. Like I I understand what you're going through because I'm going to be going through it too. And uh, so I wanted to release for this this holiday week here in the US a triple dip, triple dip, three old episodes of Unthinkable that were really popular and I think just make for great listening and can, can hopefully ease your pain if you're feeling that or just uh, make for a good time if you're relaxing. And uh, quick aside as to why I'm calling it a triple dip, if you haven't heard the last two, it's because when I was a kid, I would get these soft serve ice cream cones and you could get like this pour over like oozy sugary shell essentially on top of your soft serve ice cream it was cherry or chocolate and it would like come out as liquid and then it would harden around your cone you get a candy shell around your ice cream uh, and so what you would really want to do is actually order a double dip so you get extra chocolate or extra cherry or maybe you're weird and you got both and so i thought let's let's do a triple dip because if there's anything that can ease everybody's pain it's ice cream and you just need a little bit extra ice cream if you're sitting in traffic or if you're just celebrating the fourth of july because hashtag america so here it is. This is the third round, the third episode, the uh, triple part of the triple dip. And I uh, hope you enjoy this, this older but uh, very popular episode of Unthinkable. And I hope you're having a great week or weekend. Here's a third episode from the archives. Enjoy. Even as an adult, Justin Blackman loves the stories from his childhood. There's no metaphors in it. A person doesn't behave like a bear. In a children's story, a person is a bear. And it's just so direct. There's no comparison. It's just, it is. It's a fact. And you just accept it. And there are just sort of no rules to it. And it's a cool universe. A conversion copywriter by day, he often escapes into that universe together with his daughter. He even has a tattoo of Shel Silverstein, his favorite author and the writer of his favorite book. I think it's just that it brings me back to sitting there as a kid wrapped up in a blanket and diving into where the sidewalk ends and just laughing. And it just makes me happy. Reading those stories kind of is my happy place. Justin works for an international hotel brand based in Atlanta. And like many copywriters, he was hired for one reason. Drive leads, drive sales, drive results. And you do that by testing and measuring and testing some more. But he started for a much simpler reason. He just likes to write. You have no expectations of it. It's just, it is. I'm Jay Akunzo, and I believe there's something more to the work that we do. I'm on a mission to find others who feel the same way and use that belief to become the exception to the rules. It's unthinkable. I think the difference is, as a kid, you're not trying to get anything out of it. You're just enjoying it. You're in the moment. You're just sort of transported. And now I'm so caught up in trying to learn about convergent copywritings and should I put a comma? Should I put a dash? Should I put an M dash? And I just get so focused on the details of it that I can't see the forest for the trees. When you're reading children's books, it's just, you don't think about anything. You just, 
it's there. Right. What gets lost, though, when you're trying to, like, get the comma right or, you know, try to optimize for the conversions? Like, what's, what's missing in your mind? You know, I, I think it's the opposite. I don't think it's something's missing. I think that too much is there. You're too focused. And you don't necessarily appreciate it until you're done, until you hit publish. And actually, I even think it's like two or three days after you hit publish. And you can kind of look at it and sort of say, you know what, it's done. I'm going to walk away from it. I'm, I'm done tinkering. It's not really until you get to that point that you truly appreciate it and, and all the work that goes into it. When you're reading children's stories, that work is already done. And you don't know if that story took 12 minutes to write or 14 years to write. But you don't care. You're just enjoying the end product. And it's just sort of nice to know that it's not necessarily written for the author. It's written for a kid. And it's just meant to be enjoyed rather than analyzed. What caused all that? Do you remember where all this started? You know, you have tattoos of your favorite authors. You read these children's stories. You light up when you talk about them. I can't point to anything in particular. You know, I still have my original copies of where the sidewalk ends and a light in the attic. I think it was just always there. And I just kind of remember like in high school, people saying like, oh, what's your favorite book? And people would start saying some of the, the deeper things like On the Road by Jack Kerouac, just because they wanted to be cool and dark. And I never changed. My favorite book is still Where the Sidewalk Ends. And it has been since I was five years old. And I just never changed my taste. I've read some great books and I have books that I love, but my favorite is still the one that made me happy as a kid. Imagine the typical fate of that innocent, wide-eyed love of art like Justin's when it wanders into a jungle, the twisting, convert-now-or-else jungle of modern marketing. If that innocent feeling isn't immediately killed, it'll wind up lost and alone, forever changed by the experience. And it would be easy to blame the process. Test, measure, improve, repeat. But that's not going deep enough here. Test, measure, improve, repeat. 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 Kanar Bedian of Boston loves creativity about as much as anyone can. Her Twitter profile says it all, perhaps. A wool cap on her head. Her profile photo shows her smirking sideways off camera in front of a cracked cement wall. It is the epitome of the urban-dwelling creator, like me. Kanar is the co-creator of the blog Sound of Boston, which covers the local music scene. By day, she's a marketing manager at Intrepid Pursuits, a mobile design and development shop. By night, she's driven by her love of music and writing about it. But whereas Justin prefers not to overthink or overanalyze his passion projects, Kanar loves to tinker on her process. It's really great to be able to say, okay, we had this problem and there was a way to solve it and I wasn't sure what it was. So you just keep establishing different processes until you find something that works. For Kanar, being creative means documenting her steps, steps that become predictable and repeatable. I just love to make people's work better. 
I get the opportunity to work with all these different writers who have all these different styles. I get to work with all these different editors and try and help them become better writers and editors. It's been one of my favorite parts of running the site. I've been able to think about the processes that we're using, whether it's how the editing process is working and how that needs to change once we have 30 people on the team versus when we only had eight people on the team, or the fact that the photo editing process or how we get the photos even in the post might need to change because not everyone is well-versed in WordPress and maybe it's not really worth spending the time training all these people to caption it and include the gallery type and do all that stuff the correct way. Whereas you can just have like one person who's in charge of putting the photos into all the posts. Kanar recalled a time when all she wanted to do was write, but felt too burnt out to do it well. I mean, this one's kind of a strange example, but I was getting really stressed out from having to respond to all the, the local emails, all the submissions, all the like the press people reaching out for national tours and it was just becoming a lot and it was hard to keep track of all of that. So we started a spreadsheet for all the local albums so that was all listed. And I feel like that kind of helped. It gave me a lot more time to not have to like answer hundreds of emails every day and kind of focus on other things. Sound of Boston covers it all. They write album reviews, concert announcements, artist feature articles, they create playlists, a ton. And it's all held up to an unusually high standard in the space. I feel like a lot of the music writing I've seen online is very shallow or very like, adver- it's kind of like advertisement. They're just like, I don't know, it, it's, it's kind of hard to It's like they don't necessarily do their research or they don't seem to be critically thinking about the music or, or the like, the posts sometimes include such generic sentences that you could swap out the band name with another band name and it would still make sense. And that's something that I really try and fight. I never understood people's obsession with how others write. So what if Anne Hanley writes in a tiny house in her yard? I'm a city guy. Who cares if Seth Godin bicks his head clean every single morning? This luscious mane of mine makes this lion roar. Those people aren't me. They aren't you. And they aren't Justin Blackman. What happened was um, my daughter and I sat down to start writing a story together. It almost happened where she became my editor. We came up with a great idea for a story. She threw in all these imaginary names and fictitious places and came up with stuff that only a children's mind could create. And it got me back into that frame of mind. And so we were writing and I started getting ideas about where I thought the story should go. But I had to remember it's not for me, it's for her. And she kept adding in characters and and changing the story. And I just had to be okay with that. But it still was like I had a new editor and it wasn't the story that I wanted to tell. So I said, you know what, it's about time that I start writing for me again, because I write for work and I started writing for my daughter, which is great, but I don't write for me. So I just sort of created a, a little blog, just started writing really anything. There's no real goal for it. It's just me putting stuff out there. Actually, I should say that there was no real goal at the beginning, but it sort of manifested into a project that is about making me better at really anything that I try. And yeah, I created a a site, justalittlebetter.net, 
and it's all just about putting more effort into things and and just trying harder and getting as good as I can at, at certain things. You know, how much has your professional life cluttered, like you said before, the simple desires of just writing for you? The things that you're doing, the delivery vehicles, writing, blogging, these are familiar to your work as a, as a conversion copywriter. Do you have to resist applying what you've learned professionally, like optimizing for an end result? Do you have to resist that at all? Or is it creeping into your side blog? Or is it just completely natural that you sort of don't care what people think or if people even read it? You know, I definitely did not anticipate there being an overlap in children's stories and writing for work, but I just found that it crept in there. Uh, it would be little things like adding more alliteration, even a little bit of rhyme and the shorter sentences or a really long drawn out sentence. I just found that I was putting more of that into it. And I wasn't necessarily conscious at first until something that I wrote at work made someone laugh. And it wasn't necessarily supposed to be a funny piece, but it came across that way. I was like, oh, maybe we should take that out. And she's like, no, no, it's funny. Let's keep it in. And that started converting. We've been putting more personality into pieces, and it's overall improving just the effectiveness of the emails. Do you remember what it said? I do. It was for a travel piece where you got to earn double points for travel. The line was something like, did you ever put on an old pair of jeans and find $20 in the pocket? Now imagine doing that with bonus points. When you travel between this date and this date, you'll get double points simply because you're awesome. If it had been written in our old way, it would have been, we'll give you double points when you travel and stay at our properties between this date and this date. Wow. Womp womp. Yeah. <laughs> Man, you can feel the difference. Yeah. Are you now looking more consciously at like the patterns and techniques that you can port from your side blog and writing with your daughter over to work? Or are you just kind of letting it absorb? Like, how are you treating that? Is it a vehicle to an end to improve your work or something different? I'm not making a conscious effort to to pepper those phrases in, but when I do my rough drafts, they just sort of come out and there is personality in them. They actually had a phrase in my office where I would submit a piece and then they would strip the Justin out of it and basically just remove the personality and write for conversion and for character count. But what we're starting to find is sometimes it's good to have a little bit of Justin in there. And uh, we've kind of proved it. We've done some A-B testing. I think the fact is if it's fun to write, it's fun to read. And ultimately that's gonna make somebody click. Fun is a word that doesn't often survive that jungle where words like process or documentation often prowl. But if those things can help the fire burn quicker, better, or brighter, then fun is the spark. Fun lights up that jungle. And fun is all about you. Process, no process, a stolen routine, or one you invent. Whatever works for you. Two writers, each fueled by creativity. Two writers, each with their own process. Two writers who both know there is no one paved path. Two writers who both know there's more than one path forward. I'm Jay Akunzo, and this is Unthinkable. There is a place where the sidewalk ends and before the street begins. And there the grass grows soft and white 
And there the sun burns crimson bright. And there the moonbird rests from his flight to cool in the peppermint wind. Let us leave this place where the smoke blows black and the dark street winds and bends. Past the pits where the asphalt flowers grow, we shall walk with a walk that is measured and slow and watch where the chalk white arrows go to the place where the sidewalk ends. Yes, we'll walk with a walk that is measured and slow and we'll go where the chalk white arrows go For the children they mark and the children they know the place where the sidewalk ends. (laughs) 